Lent is a season in which we are all invited to slow down and come away from the rush of our daily lives in order to focus on our faith, to look to God for renewal and a deeper experience of love, and to walk with him in the fellowship of his life and passion. Hopefully, this also means that we will take the time to ask the big questions. Are we living the life God wants us to live? Are we believing what God wants us to believe? Are we remaining strong in the midst of a great adversity in our world, strong in the Lord, in the words of our collect, truly dependent upon God to keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls? Our texts this morning provide a path for us in this way. And I want to focus on Abraham. Genesis 15 begins with this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So let's back up and get some context. What were these things? Well, we first hear of Abram in chapter 12 when the Lord says to Abram, go, leave your country, your family, and go to a place where I will show you, and there I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Abram goes. And according to the text, he does without asking any questions. He arrives in the land after a very long journey, but soon there is a famine, and he is forced to become a refugee in Egypt, where it appears his life and Sarah's may be in danger. But at the last moment, he is given a reprieve and leaves a very wealthy man. So he goes back to Bethel. And because it appears that his nephew Lot gets a little greedy, Lot gets kidnapped, and Abram has to go fight a war to get him back. So it is after all of these rather difficult and dangerous things happen, we come to the story where it begins at the point in our text today. And so God appears to Abram in a vision a second time. And this time he says, do not be afraid your reward shall be very great. But this time, Abraham does have a question. In spite of all that has happened to him that has been difficult, he does have a lot of wealth and possessions, but he does not see family as a part of God's promise to him. So Abraham says to the Lord, how can this be? I am looking at my circumstances here and I am seeing that I am getting old, and my wife is getting old, and it looks like my heir is to be a slave born in my house. But notice that it is not that Abraham's faith has changed. Rather, what Abraham is doing here is not questioning God's promises as much as asking, how are they going to come about? And so God answers him this way. He reiterates his promise of the family, but then he says, let's go out and count the stars. So he's not ready to quite explain it all, but he says, let's go out and count the stars. And you know, there's a lot of stars in the sky, more than Abraham can count. And God says, your, your descendants will be that great. And then the text says that Abram believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. So we all know this story and we know this verse by heart 
And we know that many centuries later, the Apostle Paul will use Abram's faith as the paradigm for salvation in Jesus Christ. But what kind of faith is this? What follows and how God's answer comes to Abram is what seems to us a rather bizarre story of animals being laid out according to God's instructions. And after Abram does this, the text states that a deep sleep and a deep and terrifying darkness falls upon Abram. And it is here in this dream that God does provide the details in the medium of dreams, but it is a terrifying vision. He convinces Abram that the divine promises will be filled, but not without suffering. Your descendants will be given this land, but then they will be taken away from it. And in that darkness, a fire appears, and God says, I will make my covenant with you, Abraham. So we do not know if Abram was comforted at all by the fact that he would die in peace. But we do know that he got up and worshiped God and continued to believe in God's covenant with him and his promise. And even when some of those promises seemed pretty outrageous, he did die in peace at the ripe old age of 175. And we also know that this story ultimately culminates after many generations of the offspring of Abram, when the seed of Abraham, who will ultimately fulfill this promise of blessing, Jesus Christ appears and a new covenant will be ratified by his death, of which this covenant God made with Abram is just a shadow. And I'm going back over this story in some detail because I think it has a lot to say about the nature of faith and the nature of God's covenant that we need to hear this morning. First, Abram's faith, as exemplary as we are told it is by, by Paul, continues to be a faith that struggles to understand why and how. But notice, at the same time, Abram never questions if the things God has promised will happen. And I think we should find comfort in that and therefore not be afraid to voice to God the questions we have, not the ifs, but the hows and the whys. And still this human and sometimes frail faith and not performing the works of the law is the foundation of our saving relationship with God. So notice that the text says that Abram believed God rather than and this is the correct translation, as opposed to others, that Abraham believed in God. Because Abraham didn't only believe in a faith system or a set of propositions. He needed a faith that could withstand much more. Abraham believed and experienced that he was in the presence of the creator of the universe. And he believed what this person was saying to him, was going to become a reality, and then he acted on that belief the rest of his life. John Walton, in his commentary on Genesis, writes that the most profound words that he ever heard on the faith of Abraham came from a very learned rabbi who he heard once say, faith indeed expresses more than conviction. 
Faith is a claim to a knowledge of a higher order of reality. Faith is the touchstone of our lives. But faith, unlike that other kind of reality, is not a constant. It is a light which blazes like a thousand suns at some times, and others it flickers dimly, casting shadows of changing shapes. But even when it is weak, we struggle to see the flame. For man knows no blackness to match the darkness than when that light has gone out. And isn't that exactly what happened to Abraham? When was he able to let go of the questions so that he could hear the heart of what God was doing? When he entered that terrifying darkness that fell upon him? Because what is true terror? It is not to question why things are the way they are in the world, to ask why the kind of human suffering that is happening in Ukraine can exist. True terror is to cease to believe that God exists at all and that what God has ultimately promised to do, the promises that we have of his coming to eventually make the world right, will never happen. And that is not what happened to Abram. Inside this dark dream, he heard the voice of God speaking through the flame of fire. I will make a covenant with you, Abram. So we come to Paul in Philippians, and Paul too was no stranger to evil times. When Paul wrote Philippians, he was in prison awaiting a trial whose outcome would result in his execution. An evil man was desperately trying to hold on to power, who like Vladimir Putin had no regard for the loss of human life, and this man was the Emperor Nero. Paul described his life earlier in this letter as a living libation of sacrifice, understandably so, for he had suffered so much hardship, it was a miracle he was even alive. But this is the man that did not waver in his belief that God would do what he said he would do. And so he wrote to the Philippians, do not set your mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there we are expecting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. So Paul urged the Philippians in their suffering and persecution to not let go of their ultimate hope. So Israel's story is important to us, to understand how they suffered at the hands of their vicious enemies as they turned from God and looked to earthly things. The Old Testament lectionary in this season of Lent tells this story of how God keeps covenant with his people, how he does what he promises. In the next few Sundays, I invite you to pay attention to the Old Testament texts and the stories they tell of the other dramatic appearances of the Lord, the stories of Moses and Joshua. And finally, the last Sunday of Lent, the text takes a turn as we will hear Isaiah 43, when Isaiah, looking past the destruction of Israel and the loss of the covenant land, 
speaks God's words. I am about to do a new thing. There will be a new covenant. These Old Testament passages will lead us towards the hope of Holy Week as we join the people of Israel in remembering their story of God's covenant keeping, their failures, and their hopes for a different ending. Just as our gospel passage does today, in this passage we are in the final weeks of Jesus' life and he is walking closer to Jerusalem where he knows other great prophets have been ignored or killed and that he will be also. And Jesus journeying towards this city calls out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, my covenant people, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. Do you hear the love of Jesus, his desire to protect his people from what is to come when the temple would be destroyed again? Do you hear his heartbreak that many of his people will refuse him and yet his desire is still to love and shepherd them and to ask them to also believe like Abraham did, to embrace their faith in the Father's covenant, the faith that will heal, heal their souls. And as Jesus speaks these words of grief and love, he knows the ending, for he speaks of it, that at the end of the time, when Finally, he will bring his kingdom to a new earth. All the people will say, blessed is who one who comes in the name of the Lord. For Jesus knows his mission, his cross and resurrection, as the ultimate expression of God's covenantal love for his people and that he, God incarnate, the promised seed of Abraham, will inaugurate the new covenant by suffering a brutal, tortuous death on the cross. And then later, he will come again at the end of the age and bring the final fulfillment of God's covenantal promises, the new creation. Only then, with a hope expressed in the age-old covenant beginning with Abraham, be most fully experienced by this broken earth. And so let us sing with the psalmist, I would utterly have fainted had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, wait for the Lord. Be strong. He shall comfort your heart and put your trust in the Lord. Amen. <laughs>